0: What is an autoimmune disease and why do we keep hearing this word come up when it pertains to health? Well, I'll share with you that according to Johns Hopkins' website, about 3% of the population has an autoimmune disease. But maybe what's more startling is that the vast majority of people with autoimmune are female and Hashimoto's is the leading autoimmune disease. Now, my guest, Missy Beavers, a life coach and nutritionist and the creator of the healthy thyroid system, herself was diagnosed with Hashimoto's at just eight years old. And through a lot of trial and error, she discovered a few simple tests that revealed the root causes of the problems and reversed her Hashimoto's hypothyroidism for good. Now, that thyroid Situation is something that we need to address in order to have healthy hormones. Missy helps hundreds of women to do the same, and she's raising awareness about thyroid symptoms that are so many times misunderstood. I think this episode is going to help save someone's life. Please make sure you listen to it, share it with the people that you love, and know the symptoms so that you can be the healer in your own household. Let's listen. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom, and I wanna welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life, and for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me, and let's squeeze the joy out of this life, because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Missy, it's great to have you on the show. Great.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Maria. I'm excited to chat with you.
0: So, in our brief discussion, you had shared you got Hashimoto's or were diagnosed with it at the age of eight. That just seems so unusual to me that an, an autoimmune disease would be diagnosed so young. Can you just kind of share with us what led you to that experience?
1: Absolutely, because my story begins exactly there. And I love sharing the story because it's interesting that I was eight years old, but it's not interesting in the sense that many, many women have the same experience as I did, you know, just later in life. So my story begins... On a doctor's table, wearing that pink crinkly gown, you know the one they put us in when <laughs> they really want really
0: uncomfortable one. Yeah,
1: <laughs> when they want us to feel ashamed, right? So yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting there. I've got stretch marks all over my belly and my thighs. In the previous year, I had gained 50 pounds, which is like doubling a seven year old, right? So I'd gained 50 pounds really quickly. I had migraines. I had issues with constipation, anxiety, hair loss. So they had checked everything under the sun. They thought it was a brain tumor. They thought it might be diabetes. Is it genetic? You know, all the poking and prodding led to this moment where the doctor comes in and he says, well, Julie staying to my mom, uh, we checked Missy's thyroid and she has Hashimoto's disease. And my mom (gasps) gasped Mm. and she touched the scar on her collarbone. She has a scar from collarbone to collarbone where they took her thyroid out because of the same disease. So hmm. she immediately knew what that meant for her child, right? That's as a parent, I get it now the panic of like, she's going to experience what I experienced. So in that moment, the doctor said, There's nothing we can do to fix this. Diet <laughs> will have no impact. <laughs> <laughs> you will be on medication forever. And Hashimoto's has no cure. So this was the conversation that we had. And then he said, she'll just take one pill a day for the rest of her life. And then he wrote me a prescription for Synthroid and I left the doctor's office. Mm. So if your listeners are are nodding their heads or resonating with this, and Maria, you probably can too. This is the message that's still being given. And this was 30 years ago. Mm. The message is still happening. Diet will not help you. There's nothing you can do to fix this. This pill right here is the only solution you have Mm. for your thyroid.
0: Mm. And let me so okay. So your mom had a thyroid disease, and also had her thyroid. Was it Hashimoto's, or was it? yes, yeah, else she had happened?
1: Hashimoto's and a bit of Graves as well. Okay. So two two autoimmunes. Uh huh.
0: So I want to just stop right here because I think that you know when you fill out a questionnaire at your doctor's office and they ask you <laughs> for your parents' health history, this thank you. Is one of the reasons why is because <laughs> this is something that often does get passed on. And we, you know, kind of overlook that, but certainly, you know, lifestyle habits can make a difference too. But at the age of eight, I mean, you didn't really have a lot of lifestyle time to really put in. So this is hereditary.
1: And you think you'd be a bit curious, you know, with, like you said, uh, the mom's got a giant scar on her neck and she had shared multiple times about her thyroid issues, but yeah, didn't come up for a year. And so now they give me the pill and I'm going to take a pill one day, one a day for the rest of my life. So I start taking a pill every day and the headaches went away, but that's about it. Mm. So I kept gaining weight. And now as an eight-year-old, I'm putting on pounds. I'm going into junior high, now into high school. By the time I was a senior in high school, I weighed 275 pounds and I was taking 275 micrograms of levothyroxine at that point. And I remember it because the doctor said, your dose shouldn't match the number on the scale. And I, I said to him, what are you doing to help me with that? Mm. What are you doing? Because by that point they had put me on every diet under the sun. This is the nineties. So we did Pritikin, we did Atkins, we did the zone. I remember sitting at school and eating five olives because that was the fats that the zone would allow. Right. Mm. So I had done all the nutrition and was still gaining the weight. So I was super frustrated at that point because here I'm, I was 18 at that time, had seemingly no control over my weight. The doctors weren't helping me and I was going to crack this myself. So I went to school to become a dietitian, and that's where I met Maria. I'm sure you, you remember the food pyramid, mm-hmm. that old triangle put out by the government.
0: That, that um, archaic, uh, you know, <laughs> construct where you just eat a bunch of carbs at the bottom, right? Thank
1: you. Eat all the carbs. And I remember learning that, you know, as, as I'm starting to be a dietitian, and it's like eat six to 12 slices of bread a day. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what, this is incredible because I'd spent my whole life living in restriction when it came to nutrition And um, so I got really interested in this food pyramid, really interested in calories, macros, started counting everything. And then I became obsessed with eating as little as possible. Mm. So in that first year of school, I started exercising immensely because the message was eat less, exercise more, right? So I'm running six miles a day. I'm lifting weights and then I am eating carrot sticks and drinking lemon water.
0: And had you approached, like, had you done any sort of like really restrictive dieting or exercise in high school? Like there was just nothing that really kind of moved the needle for you, right?
1: No. So I'd done all those diets between the time I was eight until high school. So we, like I said, we'd tried every diet under the sun, but I'd never
0: tried starvation. Yeah. So here I am. Oh boy. Way to put your, that's a real great way to put your hormones into absolute shock. Right.
1: Amen. Right. So I've learned all this in retrospect and it shaped what I do. So in that time in college doing this very anorexic and poor, poor relationship with, uh, with exercise, I lost 80 pounds in a matter of months. Wow. And in that time, my hair started falling out more. I lost my periods. I was having, like you said, hormonal chaos. I was bruising everywhere, terrible anxiety, horrible depression. So I had found a new doctor by this point, a female. I'd been working with her for maybe a year or two. So I knew what I was doing to my body was wrong. And I went to see her. And I walked in that room and sat down. And you know, you wait. She she comes in and she looks at me and she says, Oh, you look incredible. Oh, wow. And I said, Oh, thank you. But I'm, I'm not doing this healthily. You know, I'm drinking lemon water and eating carrots and I'm running six miles a day. And she just had her jaw dropped to the floor and was just, you know, aw. she was looking at me and she was like, okay, yeah. And you're, you know, your thyroid labs are horrible. So we're just going to raise your dose, but keep doing what you're doing, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. And I said, you're not hearing me. I am starving myself. Mm -hmm. And you just said it didn't fix my thyroid. I need some help. And she was like, no, but you look so good.
0: See, okay. Here is the big, this is the big, big, big fork drop right here. And for Mm -hmm. everybody listening, I mean, I am just, I'm like, I've never had a diagnosed thyroid problem, but I absolutely can feel where you were just in terms of the starvation piece, because I also had a pretty major eating disorder, the external is not an indication of the health of the internal. Absolutely not. I I want everybody to be real clear about that because you can transform what your body looks like, but if your metabolism is completely wrecked, Mm -hmm. the minute you start eating again, you start, your body doesn't know what to do with the calories, right? So spoiler alert. you knew intuitively that that was a a big problem.
1: Well, exactly. And like I said, I was going to school for this. And so I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew I wasn't eating enough calories. I knew I was messing my body up. I wanted a professional to look at me and say, I want to get you help. Mm. And I, I left that appointment that day and I got in my car and I just sobbed. And I was like, okay, there is no help for me in the medical system. That's Mm -hmm. clear now. So let's go find some solutions. Mm -hmm. So I started eating again. I started, like you said, spoiler alert, started eating regular quote unquote, regular food and 50 pounds came back on like in a matter of two months. Mm -hmm. And I felt so out of control because they weren't bad foods. Like we would say bad foods, right? I was eating a very clean, whole food, unprocessed diet. So now I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. Why is this not working? So I ended up um, going into a master's degree in nutrition and my studies are in traditional nutrition. So it's looking at foods that we evolved to eat and how they nourish our bodies and, you know, all those things. So in that process, I started to learn a lot about gut health and discovered that my own gut health was a raging mess. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that changed my life, I went to a conference and, um, this was a gut health conference. And a man stood up and I wish I knew his name, but he stood up and he said, okay, we have this new uh, data and research from the National Gut Institute. And they've concluded now that all autoimmune diseases, and that word stops me every time because all, all is actually my favorite number. Hmm. I like all the things, hmm. <laughs> Give me all the things. Yeah. So he said my favorite number. So I'm listening. Hmm. So all autoimmune diseases, 100% of autoimmune diseases begin in the gut. all. Oh. All. That's
0: inclusive of every single
1: one, every single autoimmune disease. So he said that. And I remember this moment because everyone in the audience sat up straighter <laughs> and there was like this hush. And he said, you know, we were finally realizing that Hippocrates 2,500 years ago when he said all disease begins in the gut. What do you know? He must have had some inside secrets, right? Yeah. But the mechanism of why that happens is because 80% of the immune cells in our body are made in the gut. So if you've got immune cells attacking your thyroid or attacking your tissues or your joints or anything in your body, why, why are they doing that? Where did they come from? Yeah. Well, we better take a look in your gut. So that was the turning point for me where I was like, I've never had gut testing in my entire life. I've had everything else poked and prodded, but haven't had any gut testing. Had and-
0: you had any, any gut specific symptoms though? Like, and, and let's just take a pause here yeah. to kind of break down what that means so oftentimes people will experience bloating or indigestion or um, diarrhea going to the bathroom Mm. or you know some some kind of clue that's saying like i'm backed up or i can't seem to get in a regular rhythm of going to the bathroom
1: yep So the answer to your question is no. And again, this is where the medical system, it's come a long way because this of course was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, But they have this checklist of symptoms. Like you said, are you having gas? Are you having bloating? Is there constipation? Is there diarrhea? Is there mixed stools? And for me, the answer was really unremarkable. Mm. Therefore, we're not going to test anything. And, um, it's funny because later I got diagnosed with celiac disease, but I actually went to a gastroenterologist and had all this testing done. And I was positive for celiac antibodies, but they did a scope and there was no tissue damage. So they were like, well, it's not celiac, which we now know is diagnosed regardless of the scope, because obviously it hadn't had time to destroy my VLA, but, um, anyway, no, I wasn't having overt symptoms, therefore it was just kind of like IBS is what they diagnosed me with. Mm. Your bowel is irritable, we don't know why. IBS.
0: So, so you really anyway, have celiac.
1: Yeah, I didn't have celiac and that was missed. It was missed for 2 years after so gluten, seeing
0: gluten was obviously a big part of your, you know, your gut being degraded.
1: Thank you. And let's talk about that in relation to Hashimoto's. So the gluten was a huge trigger and I pulled that out and began feeling better really quickly and started losing weight. And my thyroid dose started coming down
0: Interesting. and my so hair that was a real pivot point,
1: big pivot point. My hair started coming back, started feeling better. Um, so I really got interested in what that mechanism was. This was back in, that was like 17 years ago. So this is before everything was labeled gluten-free and, you know, you couldn't go down and get things off the shelves. So of course, with my nutrition degree, I remember I had lists of like every single ingredient that might
0: have gluten <laughs> and I'd like go and read all the things. And it's a lot. It shows up in things like soy sauce, where it was you, like most it's a mayonnaise. even look for it. Right? right.
1: Yeah. You'd find it in these things that you're like mayonnaise. Okay. Not getting that one. Like it, it, it was a lot of work. And nowadays it's wonderful because companies label, to the point where it's even hilarious. I saw carrots the other day that were labeled gluten-free.
0: I know. <laughs> I'm always, I always laugh when I'm like, olive oil, gluten-free. I'm like, great. Where, why would there be gluten in <laughs> olive oil? Okay. It's
1: good marketing, marketing yeah. 101. Yeah. yeah, so funny. But anyway, I got really interested in that mechanism. So what I discovered in that is, like you said, gluten can be very, very triggering and cause inflammation in the gut. And with someone with an autoimmune condition, we often have issues with proteins leaking out of the gut and that's just due to inflammation. So in my case, there was a lot of inflammation in my gut. It was causing these proteins to leak out and by protein, I mean gluten. Mm -hmm. So the gluten is a protein in these wheat products or barley and you know, different gluten products. So anyway, it was leaking out into the bloodstream and the immune system has one job. It's to decide what's me and what's not me. And that's the job of your immune system too, Maria. Right. So gluten is not me. Therefore, if it leaks out of my bloodstream, my immune system sits right there. The, the immune producing cells are there. So they see this gluten and they say, Oh, that's not messy. We should launch an attack. Yeah. And that's beautiful for anything. Like, let's say it's strep. If it's strep, perfect. We're going to take care of it. Well, in this case it's food. So it takes care of the gluten. It creates these antibodies. Well, the problem is the gluten protein looks nearly identical to the thyroid hormone. And this becomes a problem for an activated immune system. Mm -hmm. So what we know now is the immune system will kill that gluten. And then it will be like cops roaming the alleys going to see if there's any more gluten, Sees my own thyroid tissue and starts to say, Hey, wait a second. No, you're not allowed here. Mm -hmm. And then starts killing.
0: Let's (laughs) pause here for a second because you know, I think the the truth is so many people are getting autoimmune diseases and yes. so gluten has become sort of arch enemy number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you're diagnosed celiac or not, you may mm-hmm. just be gluten sensitive. I know that when I was in college, I ate a lot of gluten. I mean, a lot of bagel. I mean, cause it was cheap food, right? It's a requirement you know, people, of college. Yeah. Robin, noodles. student on a budget. <laughs> right. So, um, I wrecked my system mm-hmm. big time and that was a big part of me healing was just like cleansing all of that ish out. But yeah. what, what a lot of people don't recognize is that you don't have to be celiac diagnosed in order to have a sensitivity where it just doesn't sit well in your stomach so to speak so i want to just alert people of that you may just want to tune in and keep a food journal to see like how you feel after you have it and if you look like you've had a food baby after you eat gluten that might be a signal too
1: the bloat is a really good clue. And I want to add in here, you know, the question I get a lot is, isn't that just a fad? It's going to die out. You know, there's nutrients in gluten that we're going to be missing. There's a lot of debate about that. Like I need the B vitamins from gluten. And it's like, mm, you're not absorbing those anyway, if they're creating inflammation. But the other thing is the way that gluten is manufactured and grown now, Yes, it is highly more concentrated than when it was, you know, when our
0: grandparents ate bread. Yeah, and a lot of those crops are genetically modified. Agreed. When you have wheat, soy, and, you know, um, uh, wheat, soy, and corn, the three Mm -hmm. most genetically modified crops, you know, those are all things that you want to be alert of. I mean, I I know that when I've eaten gluten in other countries, I don't have nearly i don't have any problems like i can have Uh bread and pasta in italy and not feel anything but it's the way the flour is milled so that really gets into the weeds so to speak but you want to just be aware of that have you ever wondered is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that i don't even drink enough to really clean it Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know, because you're absolutely right, it's not enough. That's why we created the only all natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner.
1: Yep. Be aware because here in our country, like you said, we, we have bred and genetically modified our gluten to be three times stronger than you'll see in other countries. And that's because gluten is the binder in our foods. And so a higher gluten content for a manufacturer is a really cool thing because it gives food that chew. It is more addictive to the brain. We have research on this. So people are going to want your product over one that may have less gluten because it doesn't have the same mouth feel. So, yes, we are getting more gluten now. I read um a comparison once. I wish I could remember the reference on this, but they said a slice of bread from 1950 has the wait, let's do this backwards. So, a whole loaf of bread now. A whole loaf of bread now would have the equivalent of a slice of bread in the 50s. I said that backwards. Anyway, yeah, one, one
0: slice one slice Help One me slice out. Now was the equivalent of a loaf back Thank then.
1: Thank you. Right? We did it backwards. Yeah. Thank you. I knew we'd get that out together.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and think about this too. I think for everybody, you know, that has scratched their heads going, like, okay, so manufacturers are doing this. Like, yeah. What what does that all mean? Well, you have to also look, gluten products are used in conjunction with yeast. And mm-hmm. yeast that's quick rise, fast activating, um, just continues to wreck your, your gut at the same time because it still continues to grow. So you have the gluten coupled with the bad yeast and you have a recipe for disaster. Um, oh my goodness. And, that, and that's, the, that's mm-hmm. the accelerator of the gluten's um, introduction into your bloodstream. So thank you for this. Rocket is, so exactly.
1: Yeah. Just so your audience knows, Marie and I did not talk before this conversation. <laughs> that is the perfect lead in to my next point. So yes, the yeast. Thank you. So I discovered this gut testing and then did the testing myself. It's really simple. It's a urine test. You take it at home, you send it back to the company. But from that, we can find out what is going on in your gut because they produce these little metabolites that come out in the urine. So when I did that test, I had so much yeast, Mm. so much mold. I had tons of bacteria and these are things that hadn't been found on any other test anywhere. So I became a total nerd for this. And this is what I do now is I, I do gut testing and then we find out how it's impacting the thyroid. But what we know now is those, those fungi, the yeast and the mold, they will hijack minerals from your digestion. So you could be eating a spotless diet like I was doing. I had just an A++ star diet and I had all these raging infections that were hijacking vitamins and minerals. Mm. And I also, because of the leaks and inflammation in my gut, wasn't absorbing. Right, mm-hmm. so it's the idea of like being in the middle of the ocean and like dehydrating, right? Like you have, all, well, obviously you can't drink ocean water, but the idea of having everything available and not being able to utilize it.
0: Yeah. So is is that is the, were you um, prone? just speaking about yeast and mold, were you prone to yeast infections? Like, was that something you weren't even like never
1: me? had like, one in my life? A vaginal yeast infection is what yeah. you're referring to. Nope. Yeah. Never done. And this is something very common with my clients. It's like, well, I don't have gut issues. I've never had yeast infections, but then as we start digging, it's like, well, do you have dandruff? Oh Yeah. Um, when you shave your armpits, do you get a rash? Oh, yeah. Have you had athlete's foot? Do you have toenails that are yellow? Do you have issues with brain fog? Do you get rashes on your body? Do you, do you have diaper rash? Did your kids have diaper rash? If your kids had diaper rash, honey, you gave them that yeast. Mm. <laughs> so that's a big one, too, is I, a lot of times they will be like, oh, my kids have the worst diaper rash and colic. And it's like, yeah, that's we were introduced to it from our mothers, right? Yeah. So yeast has a lot of sneaky little symptoms, but one of the ones that's not often talked about is thyroid issues. So yeast, one of the things that does yeast and mold, they hijack a protein. It's called tyrosine. That protein is needed to make thyroid hormone. It's also needed to make dopamine, which mm-hmm. we know about a lot in the media. Now dopamine is our feel good reward, motivated. Everything's awesome. Neurotransmitter. So what that means is if you have this going on in your gut, you could be eating the most amazing diet, but you're not absorbing those nutrients because your yeast and your mold is taking things that you need to make thyroid hormone and right brain chemicals. So you end up fat, sick, depressed, anxious, and then you fixate more on your diet and you don't get results that you're looking for.
0: How do you, so how do we address the yeast? How do we address this yeast overgrowth in our systems?
1: Beautiful question. Well, first of all, we have to see if it's going on. Mm. So
0: that's why testing for me
1: is key. Um, in the past we used to just guess, we would have you fill out a questionnaire and we would say, Oh, you have all those things I just named. You're having all these symptoms. We're just going to treat the yeast. And I, myself, you know, I saw a lot of naturopathics and, you know, functional medicine doctors. I did a lot of that in those years when I was trying to figure out my stuff. I did a ton of yeast cleansing protocols, but none of them tested first. Mm. And the thing that I'm so adamant about now is we have to figure out specifically if it's mold or yeast, specifically what's going on, and then we can tailor protocols to it. Mm. So the biggest mistake people make is they want to just annihilate all the yeast. So they do really harsh cleansers. They do things that kill the yeast, but they also Kill the good bacteria. They wipe out the flora in the gut. They cause more inflammation. So, yeah, now you're quote unquote yeast free, but you develop other issues, the thyroid being one of them as well. So, you,
0: so you can do a, a urine test. And this is something mm-hmm. that you do is you basically do the kit. I want to do this, by the way.
1: Yeah, it's um, amazing. I want to see your pee.
0: I do too. <laughs> I mean, I, because it's interesting you said rashes. I, I have noticed, and I think I mentioned to you, I'm just, I'm training for this competition so I'm working yeah. out like a lot more and I I'm guilty of it and please don't judge me but like sometimes Never. I don't get that shower that I need mm-hmm. to like right after I work out and I know that that has something to do with it as well because I have had rashes and stuff but like what is going on on the inside too now that I've had to change my diet eat more protein like I'm curious yeah. how this is all affecting my god
1: that's such a great question so you know the shower after a workout if it's cleansing your own sweat off your body and your own sweat's creating a rash hmm we have a question there yeah but i would like to clear up i often see that happen with clients that go to gyms because at the gym you pick up a lot of different bugs that aren't yours yeah so it's hard to rule out if that's something that you just touched on a machine or you did something but Sweat is a detoxifier, right? So if you're sweating and your sweat's coming out and it's creating a rash, that actually is a clear right away that there's some liver toxins coming out. Mm. And we see that frequently. Yeah. With underlying mold, um, mold is the biggest one I see that with and yeah. yeast as well. So yeah, checking for that, seeing what's going on. Also, like you said, if you increase your protein, but you've got these little bugs in your gut, it is going to, cause protein of course is high in these amino acids. Yeah. So when people increase protein and they have a negative response to it, it often means that there's some some level of imbalance in the gut that isn't utilizing these materials correctly.
0: And taking probiotics, I mean, what what is your position on that? Obviously, we want to you know, get diagnosed and really enter into the correct protocol, but to yeah. support a healthy microbiome, can we take a probiotic and have that help along the way?
1: Absolutely. And thanks for asking that because as you're hearing in my journey, I was like throwing spaghetti at the wall for years. Like, oh, let's try probiotics now. And the most common strain in the market is acidophilus. We all hear about that. It's in our yogurts. It's added to cereals now and breads and it will be like acidophilus, right? Yeah. So acidophilus is good and acidophilus can help suppress yeast and mold growth. But if you have combinations of other bacterias and such going on, acidophilus can backfire so loudly, create constipation, create aches and pains, create hair loss. So that one specifically, I'm I'm always a fan of testing because I did that like I said, when I was doing these protocols, I just took more acidophilus and it created so much inflammation in my gut and I didn't get results. But then you start to question, do I need more then?
0: Well, and don't you need, I mean, I, I know from my studies that you need to have um, the various strains of probiotics. So mm-hmm. like I take one from Garden of Life and it's got like 24 different strains Beautiful. of bacteria. So you want to have those varied strains that address different Yep. All the different things. Yep,
1: Agreed. Cause I mean, there's trillions of bugs in our gut. They haven't even, they haven't even quantitated them. And the thing that blows my mind is that we have 10, 10 organisms for every one human cell. So what that means is right now Maria you're talking to a bag of germs. Like that's I'm just a bunch I'm a bunch of They're organisms. A beautiful
0: bag of germs, Missy. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's <laughs> wonderful.
1: We work hard for this. <laughs> um no, so you you're just this this collection of germs and we used to think that the cell would tell the germs how to behave, but this microbiome research, I'm so nerdy about this. We're finding out now that like you said, Maria, we all have genetics we're all born with these propensities for things. You know, my mom had Hashimoto's. My grandma had thyroid issues. What we know now is the genetics are within the cell, but those 10 organisms that are telling the body how to run. So that's your bacteria, viruses, mold, parasites, those 10 things for every one human cell, they're going to make the difference as to whether your disease state turns on or whether we can turn it off. Yeah.
0: So that you brings know, us back. This is, this is um, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's but fine. This is like something so interesting to know, like really understand what your parents have been through. Ask them questions. I know yeah. that for my mom, she had like chronic yeast infections mm-hmm. all the time. She loved her sugar. Oh you yeah. Know? And so I know for me, I have to stay away from sugar, like mm-hmm. completely. Um, and when I do have it, it comes in the form of, you know, something like a date where it's full of fiber and I'm only having a few. So um, you got to really know what your family history is, not because you necessarily have to be that, but so that you can turn that genetic makeup off to a certain degree yeah. with your lifestyle habits. And I will also affirm what you said about the diagnoses. So. I started having these rashes come up. I thought it was stress. It was definitely menopause related, hormone related, but no doctor could tell me what to do. Right. They ended up giving me a steroid and Um, I'm like, well, that didn't help because the rash came back the next week. The minute I started managing the menopausal symptoms is where I started to see relief. So just because you've got a symptom, that's something you can see doesn't mean that that's the problem.
1: Oh, There's thank an you.
0: underlying root cause that is leading to that.
1: Well, and that is the standard medical approach to anything. It's like throw a steroid at it and steroids, Jack, your blood sugar, which then feed the fungus. So as you experienced, the only thing that really happened there is you got more fungus. That's what happened. But I, you said something so important about your mom. I want to put a little, a little pin in this because I love sharing this information. Mm-hmm. We pick up our gut flora from our moms. So the first place anyone is ever exposed to bacteria in this world is in the birth canal, assuming you're born vaginally. Yeah. If you're not, then you get it from the the C-section and whatever's in the environment of that hospital room. So what we know now from research, and it's so disappointing. I. I'd love to leave you with some devastating information.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and a positive note, but lay it on us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Lay it on us. So what we know now, and by the way, my mom also is very yeasty. As I said, she has autoimmune diseases and she had tons of yeast. So this baby's born, Maria and I are born. And then we pick up that yeast from our moms. And that may be that we are colicky now, those babies often have diaper rash, those babies will have constipation, those babies get frequent ear infections. So that was true of me. I was a constipated, ear infected baby. So now we get constant antibiotics, right? Throw an antibiotic at that, throw an antibiotic. Well, what we know now is the gut flora establishes by the time you're two years old. There's the devastating piece. So basically the flora of what's going to govern your life is set in those first two years, which
0: I was the sickest baby ever. (laughs) Yeah. My parents told me that like, I couldn't keep any breast milk down, not even formula. They had to feed me the gravy from cooked fava (laughs) beans. That was the only thing that I could hold down. Like I had a lifetime of issues because of this. And it's, yeah. I can't emphasize enough, like ladies, if you are thinking about having a baby or you are pregnant right now, your habits are so important. Don't yeah. just binge on the crap and think, well, I'm going to, I'm pregnant anyway. <laughs> I know eating for two. Yeah. You're not eating for <laughs> two at all. You're eating healthy for yeah. one. Remember yeah, exactly. that.
1: Yeah. yeah totally agree with that. And And, I said
0: that with love. Oh yeah.
1: Oh no. All of this is with love and there's, there's never a judgment on any of it. But like I said, that specific stat could be the most devastating thing you could ever hear, or it could be the most motivating thing. And when I first heard it, I was like, there's no hope for me because like you, I was the baby with all the things. And then, you know, I, by the time I was two, I had more antibiotics than I've had, like in the last 10 years currently. Right. Like it was just the way that they address things. And, um, the beauty of it is we're finding out now you can improve your microbiome or the balance of bacteria in your gut with your health choices, right? So with the foods you eat, obviously eating whole foods, like you teach, Maria. We want to eat foods in the form that they grew in their whole form and taking probiotics. Like you said, with lots of different strains, addressing the underlying infections, like I'm talking about bacteria, fungus, addressing those so that they're no longer making decisions in the gut. We want the good bugs to make decisions. We want a lot of good influence. So we can absolutely do these things, but the disappointing piece, I guess that the research is showing, and I, I don't see this as disappointing, obviously as a nutritionist, what they're saying is you can change it, but you have to do it every single day. And that's when people are like, well, then I give up. I just want to take a pill and be fixed. And that's kind of how we've been trained. Mm. So I like to share that because you could see that as devastating. There's no hope. I can't stick to this forever. Or you can see this as I have control. I have the ability with every single forkful to build up this flora to create a great environment in my gut. And that's, that's how I, it's taken a lot of work for me on a mindset shift. But that's how I see it now. This is an opportunity to be in control, to have 10 good bugs, 10 friendly friends making the decision instead of those angry yeast, you know,
0: teenagers. And I I always say you got to connect with your why. You know, if you don't want to feel sick and depressed and, and anxious and all of the side effects, then the decision will be real easy. You know, I mean, it really ends up being about what you want your life to look like. Mm -hmm. I know that um, for me, like the panic attacks and the anxiety and all of those things that I was going through, I never, ever want to feel, I never want to feel that. So it's that important. So I think for you connecting with your why and never wanting to feel like you did up through high school or even the beginning of college is your why. So connect with your why. What, what do you want to feel every day?
1: Totally agree. And then knowing you have that control and, you know, with my clients and my experience as well, I think it can get a little frustrating when you have that way. I want to nourish my body. I'm going to make good choices. You go and you spend all the dollars and you put all the time and investment and food prep and eat all the right things. You'll have improvement, but if you still have these underlying infections or these underlying imbalances, you can backslide. And that's where people lose their why and lose their motivation. And that's why I talk about dopamine, because that's what I see most commonly is that if you've got these underlying things that are reducing your dopamine, you're going to lose your why is not going to mean anything to you Mm.
0: because
1: you're going to be like, this is what I want. But then you won't have the fuel in your brain to drive that motion. And then you'll crave the sugar and the carbs because that will give you a temporary hit. Yeah you know, that makes you feel better. So I'm huge about, let's figure out why your dopamine's low. We can address that. Now you'll have the motivation to stick to a plan. Now you'll have the willpower. Now you'll have the interest because that, that was, I don't know if you resonate with that, but that was my experience of doing all the right things and not getting where I wanted to go. And it was because of an underlying about
0: frustrated and you know, you're, you're, they don't call the the gut, the little brain for nothing. Right we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. How can people, what's the best way for people to find you and to get this P test done? Because I think everybody needs to go do it today. I
1: totally agree. Yeah. Like come and see me. Let's, let's see your P. I don't actually yeah. look at your P just so you know, I'm not yeah. weird, <laughs> um, but you can head to MissyBeaversCoaching.com, And if you have thyroid issues, I invite you to check out the thyroid fast track class. It's the first little click on that page if you don't have thyroid issues, I invite you to check out the thyroid fast track class, but I want to make it clear. Um, my education is, is geared towards women with thyroid issues. You are welcome to join. If you don't have thyroid issues, I don't want that to be a limiting factor, but that's how the education,
0: some people might have them and not even know, like we need to just start there and figure it out you
1: know, thank you. And most women that have thyroid issues don't know, like you said, because the testing is so insignificant and it doesn't diagnose like it should. So yes, don't be deterred by that. If you're resonating with what I'm saying, please check out the thyroid fast track class from there. You can book a call to chat with me or my team. We'll talk about what's going on with you. Talk about the testing in my program. And also Maria, I put together for your audience, a recipe guide. It's a thyroid jumpstart. Yay. That has a bunch of recipes, They're whole food based, like we talked about gluten-free. So if you're like, okay, well, what, what foods would I have to eat? What is she talking about? What, what does my thyroid need? Great free guide, good place to start. Awesome recipes, delicious things. Check Wonderful. it
0: out. And we'll yeah. include the link to your website and the link to the recipe booklet in the show notes. Yeah. Super excited for that. Um, I have one last question to ask you when I Uh, I kind of can imagine what your answer is going to be, but I want to hear it for you, from you. If you could have one meal created by anybody alive or not, what would the meal be and who would make it? And I want you to be honest, like, give me the, the, the good meal, like the last supper meal.
1: Oh, I love it. And Maria, we're like, we're soul sisters. (laughs) Thank you for asking me by the way. Um, Maria, I follow you on Instagram and your food is gorgeous. Like your skills as a chef, you are so gifted.
0: You're so So, sweet. I, I feel like I've become so like, er cave woman, I need protein. <laughs> Therefore, everything I'm showing lately is like, look at my eggs. <laughs> I know here's chicken. my eggs
1: and chicken again. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's true of me. I do best on higher protein and, you know, lower carbs. So that's like all of my shares are the same, but, um, anyway, to answer your question, there is one meal I love and it is Swedish pancakes mm. made by my grandma. So my grandpa is from Sweden and they brought, that's like the one recipe they brought. So it's just eggs, milk. We make them now with rice flour so I can tolerate them. But nice. I actually just fed those to my son before we started recording. Cause I'll like batch make those, freeze them. And I could eat they those. Well, yeah. They do. And then you just whip them out and put something in them. And he had strawberries today. It's like so easy.
0: I love the thin ones. One of my uh, best friends is Swedish and I was introduced to those in Sweden. Um, yeah. Have you ever had an skiver?
1: No, I oh, have not
0: it's like the Danish form and they're ra- anyways, I'm yeah. hungry. Can you tell? And I, I know let's eat something good right now. So I probably
1: should have said like, I would love to nibble on some organic kale, but no, if- <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no let's eat, I- And that's what I want to be clear about. You know, I'm a nutritionist, but I'm the last person that's going to tell you to like blend up some celery juice and drink that seven. No, like you should enjoy your food. And food digests better when you are savoring the flavors and the experience and the people. I know, you know that Maria. So yeah. focus on that. Take a couple deep breaths before you eat. It helps the gut digest. Just be present, be grateful. It changes everything with the food.
0: I love it. So much good food for thought and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Missy. This was a lot of fun. And I know you. we're going to be continuing the conversation.
1: Super. Thank you all for listening. Talk you. to you soon.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch, so it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot, and share it on your social media with a hashtag rfybl for recipes for your best life. I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.